dirty slut. We're recording. Sorry for the delays, man. Back and forth. But oh, it's no problem, man. But I just got another hoodie. Is my internet cut now? No. Can you see me? I can see you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I can see you. It just cut out for a second. I don't know which one it is. Fuck yeah. I got this. I made this one. Um, so the early particle accelerators, I forget how they did them, but it was some weird thing. It, it was like x-ray crystallography. I think they used oil. Jack Parsons summoning a demon. No, no, no. <laughs> kind of. But it was like they used, I mean, I'm talking like 20, the 1920s. They took like, they put like a thin film of oil <laughs> on some metal. And then they like shot beams of light through it and somehow they tracked particles on it in this like old timey way but if you ever see images of them you'll probably recognize them they're these they're these weird kind of like spindly they almost look like mandelbrot fractals and Hmm. i took some and they're all black and white and i took some high-res images of them and uh oh wait these are sweatpants whoops but yeah i put them on a i put I, i put it over like blue like a blue background and turn it gold and it's uh yeah it's these are early images of particle accelerator experiments not sure why i did those but um then hey that, man it sounds badass not, and then not that we're doing a fucking show and tell but i guess we are <laughs> i made this one two summers ago for a guy who never who never bought it he like he paid me like a hundred bucks to do the design and then never followed up with it. But it was uh, I took three cherubs, some like old Renaissance painting of these cherub. You know, one's playing oh, yeah. the guitar. The and like, but I took them all, and I uh, I was just getting into Post Malone and Mac Miller at the time, so I took high res scans of Mac Miller and Post Malone's tattoos. And I superimposed them all over the cherubs. <laughs> so, that'll get the zoomers. That'll <laughs> that'll really get the zoomers. Yeah. So it's these cherubs <laughs> with like face tattoos and sleeves. So so one of the things in uh you you would love this about 40k because 40k has cherubs in them. Yeah. And uh, essentially because AI is outlawed, any kind of like robotic being has to be a human that's basically been lobotomized and turned into what they call a servitor. Okay. So they, they lobotomize some, you know, human, some poor bastard somewhere and they turn him into a servitor. And just because, you know, 40K has a lot of like biblical references and stuff, you know, you'll just have these freaking, you know, dead baby cherubs and everything with like a cyborg eye and shit, you know, flying around and <laughs> fuck yeah. Here's a here's the cherub, man. It's a baby with a I think I gave him Post Malone's always tired tattoo on the face. <laughs> he's playing a guitar. Dude, that's he's playing a guitar. You can that see is the most uh, zoomer shit. I know he's, he's smoking a stove. Got hand tats, and uh, <laughs> but there's like other little ones on the, like the sleeve and shit. But if you like zoom in on them, they're all actually like tattoos of like famous like you know it's like Post Malone, uh, Mac Miller, I think um, Lil Peep. 
Uh, I just took all the guys with like the kind of the well-known tats and uh, covered these guys. So uh, wasn't sure how it was going to come out on a sweatshirt. I don't really care. I'm digging it. So um, you know, it, you know, it's one of those things. That it just it's so unique. It's like from a distance, you wouldn't even be quite sure what you're looking at. And then it's exactly. like you get in there and. and and yeah, I mean, I, as a 40K fan, I love the, the whole chair thing. And before we start, I'm going to make sure my audio isn't yeah, streaming yeah, yeah, in there because yeah, yeah. I'm noticing a little bit of instability. So hopefully that fixes You're it. You're good. Right back. So everybody listening, this is my buddy, David O'Neill. We've done a couple episodes now about uh, the first one was Senior Executive Service, the SES, which I didn't know about. And the second one we did was about uh, Bitcoin and Bolivia and and lithium and shit. And uh, David's back now. But, um, yeah. And uh, I have to keep pushing it back today. I'm trying to find a fucking apartment to go further do my TPC Free America Radio. Which, you know. All right. If censorship keeps going this way, man, maybe I'll go fucking shack up with Snowden. And, uh... You know, go go do it from the Soviet Union or from Russia. Um, uh, you know, funny you mentioned that. You know, funny oh, you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, you got permanent record. <laughs> hell yeah! I used to before I uh, kept my hurricane shutters. Uh, you know, mostly sealed most of the time. I used to just leave this in my door in, in my uh, windowsill uh, for the <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses and whatnot to keep knocking on my door. And um, <laughs> Dude, that's a great try to get book. the word out some way. That's a great book. Um, Speaking of speaking of Ed Snowden, uh, I did try to get him on. I never got a response. But yesterday or two days ago, I did email. Um, I did email the Kremlin and asked if uh, asked if Mister V Putin would like to come on my podcast. Right. Well, I haven't gotten a response so, yet, but who knows? You know that one way to go about it i know the the three things i want to talk about today with you um uh, mainly touching up on claire's point about the the wifeless men in china and how uh, the one child policy has developed all that uh one of the things it's done is it's massively uh, exploded the demand for human trafficking throughout southeast asia it's very well documented just underreported on for obvious reasons you know to our one-sided media really doesn't like to talk about the war crimes of the maoists you mm-hmm. know maybe they'll talk about cuomo a little bit maybe if cuomo was doing it they they pick up on it uh and then the the two other things i know we've already talked a little bit about fishing fishing fleet soft power diplomacy and whatnot and we'll go into that but one of the things because i like to look at things from psychology first and then work our way back um is the concept of guanji uh which kind of translates to like a, a business what we would call like a business relationship but you know we kind of think about it backwards from how they do you know here in the west you know if you and i wanted to start a, a company right you know or we wanted to go into business right we're not going to be hanging out acting like best friends first because we, we know the dangers there. We're going to be thinking, okay, let's get our lawyers involved. Let's get the contract signed. Let's make sure our, our, you know, our I's are dotted, our T's are crossed and everything's good to go. And then we might go out and, you know, we might have some drinks with my party. We might go fishing and develop the personal relationship. Well, the Chinese work at it completely backwards. Guanji, you know, their idea of building that relationship, you know, going back to unrestricted warfare right i don't want to threaten you because i know if i threaten you you're going to call dr dale dr dale's going to diagnose me with covid next thing you know i'm being put on the ventilator right bad situation the only way i can win is by making sure you never call dale well 
shrink that down to the business level, right? I, the last time I want to negotiate with you is when you've been up all night, you're thinking about how we're going into negotiations. You're thinking about what you don't want to concede. You're thinking about what you want to get out of me. You're going over all your strategy. And next thing you know, you're going to be there. You're going to have your lawyer who's, you know, my, for all intents and purposes, that's, uh, that's Dale. I don't want him there either, mm -hmm. you know, watching your back. Ideally, from the Chinese mindset, we already have an understanding before we get to that point. And my goal is to make it so you you and your family, you and your lawyer's family are so well paid off and so well taken care of that you never want to call down. Right. That's basically the Chinese unrestricted warfare mentality. How do you so that? it's about how you know, how can we develop those relationships? How do you Wan G, uh, G U A N X I, I believe. I, OK, OK. I wasn't sure. At first, I thought you were saying one G one G like five G like one G. I'm retarded. Yeah, Sorry, no, no, I, I no, no, no. Guan, Guanji. Okay, so their um, whole thing is oh, so is yeah. their whole thing that they yeah, get so, to know each other first and they won't want to do it, or is it the whole thing you line the pockets so well that they won't want to do it? And sorry if I'm interrupting you. I think we've got like a two second delay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think it's a little the internet's a little bit slow today. But um see, you know, it's kind of a little bit of both. You know, this is why Chinese intelligence and Chinese business is so effective at elite captures. The fact that the average Chinese businessman is thinking more like an intelligence officer than the average intelligence officer and foreign policy elite in our own country. You know, they're thinking about how do I get you out on the fishing boat first? How do I get us out, you know, drinking first? How do I get us out at the strip club first, you know, to build up that relationship? You know, we're two married men. We're going out to the strip club because I know you're not going to snitch on me because you'd be snitching on yourself. You know, that's Guan Chi. We're in bed together. You know, that's what they're trying to establish before you even get to the negotiating table. So that way it's 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 just a formality. We already have the understanding. We're just trying to, to make it clean at that point, because, you know, if you go back to. China has all these, you know, un, unmarried men that need wives and we got to put them out somewhere. Well, guess what? It's a lot cheaper for me to elevate your entire family and your cabinet's entire poly, uh, family to another tax bracket than it is for me to open a business there and raise your entire people to a new tax bracket, right? I don't want to do that. And so that's how the Chinese are so effective at, say, going into a country oh, and, say, okay. setting up a Chinese colony, right? Because then, you know, if I'm paying you off so well that you don't care that I'm not hiring your people and helping them out, that's how I get those people in there and I get my foot in the door, right? And that goes right into, um, you know, fishing fleet policy. Let's say you're, you know, you're running a country somewhere and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to leverage you, right? Once again, going back, I can't threaten you with the military. I can't threaten you in any way that's going to make you call Dale. I've already lost if you call Dale, right? So what do I have to do? Well, it's a fishing fleet, right? If some fishing fleet's going to come in and it would be a shame if your fishery got bottom trawled, right? And a bunch of, you know, Chinese fishermen peasants started essentially uh, starting up, as we talked before, like an illegal wood smuggling operation, whatnot. That would be unfortunate. And then you would call me up and you'd go, hey, man, what, what, what about these fishing fleets? That's kind of fucked up, man. Like, you're going to do something about this? And of course, my response at that point would be like, well, you know, it's so far away. Um, you know, I can't really regulate, you know, Chinese fishermen in your waters because it's so far away. But maybe if I hooked you up with my Belt and Road port salesman, right? And we could work out like a payment plan of how you could get a port. And then once the port's there, we could open up a regulation office and then I'd have people there and we 
we could work on regulating, you know, the, the fishing fleets. And once I've got that foot in the door and I'm building a little Chinese colony port there, well, now all of a sudden I'm not really worried about, you know, trying to wreck your fisheries and do a little, you know, wood smuggling. That was just, that was just to, you know, to lean on you a little bit to get you to come to me, right? That's just, that's just how we're getting this started. Now we can start talking about, now I can figure out who's in your cabinet and I got to buy off. You know, how can I get the rest of the people paid off operations to drug smuggling and people trafficking? You know, uh, last year there was a report sent to Congress. I believe it was uh, human trafficking uh, in the seafood uh, supply chain, I think was the name of the report to Congress. But it's basically talking about how a lot of these fishing fleets, for example, as they come in, they're using, you know, impressment. You know, setting up these contracts, getting people onto these boats, and you know, what other way would what what's the best way to do human trafficking? Well, if you have this massive fleet of fishing boats that could cause a diplomatic incident if you if you press on them too much, uh, and you try to search these boats, well, a the you know the ones that are actually carrying out shady activity, those are going to be the better taken care of ships. They're going to get away faster, and then you have this you know disposable fleet of other ships. They're going to try to blockade and protect the other ships to get away. And hell, if they have to sink one of those boats to cause an incident, you know, if I can tie down your Coast Guard by sinking a couple fishing boats. You're, go ahead. You're, sorry, your, your internet's getting really choppy, just FYI. All right, yeah. I was worried about that today. It yeah. seems a little bit uh, less stable. Yeah. Um, but if there's anything I have, you know, chopped up, missed out, let me know. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I'll no, come no, back to that. No, you, no, but, you know, if I can. Keep going, keep going. So if, you know, I sink a couple of fishing boats or whatever, and all of a sudden you have to respond, uh, you know, rescuing a bunch of Chinese fishermen or whatever, you know, I can get those other boats out away. And, you know, that's one way that you can protect, say, uh, you know, your, your smuggling operation or your illicit operations. And when you think about that kind of mindset from the business aspect of how the average Chinese businessman is thinking more like an intelligence asset, well, then think about the fact that, you know, how liquid it is. You know, I know we talked about this briefly before, how easy it is for China to put intelligence into a company. Okay, like we know, for example, if we're looking at a U.S. embassy somewhere, we know it's looking after United States political interests in the region. And so we know, we don't know who these CIA officers are, but we know they exist there. We know there's some intelligence officers that are working there. You know, well, the same way, if we see a Chinese business running somewhere, we know there are CCP officials somewhere in that business. There has to be in order to do business with China. You got to have those officials. And if that business is in any way doing something that the Chinese consider strategically relevant, well, guess what? One of those CCP officials is probably an intelligence officer. And what's the intelligence officer doing? Well, he's looking for Hunter. Where's Hunter, right? You know, if I'm trying to get your, you know, if I'm the Chinese businessman, right, and I'm trying to get you out on the fishing boat, we're sipping Tsing Tao, right? You know, I'm trying you up and getting making deals with you while we're half tipsy and everything and you're not thinking about the strategy you're not you know thinking all business that's where i'm trying to get you but you know let's say you only bring your family on that fishing trip that you know have their shit together right you know and i'm just kind of stuck with that well the intel officer is like well you know tommy he has a son named hunter and hunter likes to party right that's that's the you know that's the kind of 
avenue that they're always looking for. And that's why the Chinese elite capture strategy is so effective is because essentially every Chinese business is running like an intelligence agency. And if it ever needs to be an intelligence agency, they already have the framework to backdoor a bunch of intelligence officers in as CCP officials. And so that's how we see Chinese fishing boat diplomacy going throughout, you know, Southeast Asia, off the coast of Africa. It's even happening in uh, South America. And, uh, you know, I, I remember at one point off the coast of Argentina, they had a boat that was in such poor condition. It was trying to make a turn to get away from an inspection. And uh, uh, I think it capsized and broke apart. Uh, once again, all of a sudden, if you're trying to catch a, a smuggler or whatever, and you have a bunch of Chinese fishermen that can't swim very well in the water, uh, you know, where are you going to do? Are you going to risk a diplomatic incident, you know, um, going after the smugglers or, or you know, be, and let a bunch of Chinese fishermen drown? Or are you going to drop what you're doing and you're going to go rescue all the Chinese fishermen, right? So it kind of plays out. And that's how Chinese soft power can really lean on countries. And, and guess what? If you If you take a a Chinese fishing fleet and you go into Mozambique or, you know, you go into a potential conflict zone and you bottom trawl out their fisheries and you completely destroy the, you know, the fishing uh, community there. Well, now you have a bunch of pissed off young men that they can't make a living doing the most basic, you know, line of work that you can never take from them short of really fucking things over for them. And they could join an insurgency. They might decide to, you know, make your country less stable. So that's the kind of power plays that the Chinese are thinking about when they're leveraging a fishing fleet. And, and we're just thinking of it as, as, you know, a bunch of, you know, just fishing boats. But really, there's so much more going on and there's so much more pressure that we're just not seeing because at the end of the day, China, you know, when we summarize unrestricted warfare and we break it down to the to the tiniest summary, their core strategic interest is making sure we never make it look like an attack. Mm. I'm never going to make it look like I'm pushing you, pressing you, because I know if you call Dale, I've already lost. And that's basically how it breaks down. So it kind of seems like, like, it's not that I want this to be true, but let's try to Let's try to put aside our our egos and our our nationalism. Let's just try to look at it objectively. Does China have a superior system? Are they? Is it just a matter of time until they take over? Are they the new? Are they the ape that learned to stand up? Are they just the new thing? I, I wouldn't say that they have a superior system. Um, I would say that they have a superior mindset for dealing with this. You know, the system can break down pretty easily once you shine light on it and once you put it under heavy heavy scrutiny. The, the system does well when it's making sure you're not seeing it. You know, when it's just some little fishing stuff in the third world, you know, America, you know, on a greater level, we're not paying attention to it when it was well, if China said, hey, we're building an aircraft carrier and we're going to have our aircraft carrier do freedom of navigation somewhere out in blue water rather than the green water. You know, that that's the kind of mindset that they're trying to avoid is trying to make us think of it like a military engagement or anything like that. And that's just why they're so effective is because at the end of the day, it's, and Guanxi isn't, you know, it's not an exclusively Chinese concept. You go to Ukraine, you go to Romania, you go to any country that has had a, a system of oppression for so long that you just, you instinctively know it's about greasing the wheels. It's not about what you know, it's who you know. And so it's just that the Chinese are so, you know, 
they've been dealing with that for so long that they are thinking about that. They're, you know, when they're trying to get you out on the fishing boat or they're trying to get you out to the strip club and they're trying to negotiate with you out there, they're trying to make you feel, you know, comfortable when really that's the negotiating phase. For them, that's mindset of you know they're in the mindset of hey i've got the lawyer i've got the strategy i'm trying to figure out what your vices are i'm trying to figure out you know how i can butter your bread in a way that'll get you to lean this way before we even get to the negotiating room while as in the west it's just that mindset of you know this is fair play you know it kind of goes back to the you know how many westerners really know how to haggle anymore right you know when you when you look at like the foreign policy you know these academics that you know very you know if they've been to a third world country they've probably been in the you know the five-star hotel you know a lot of these people have never had to haggle before in their lives and and the chinese are 100 aware of that that's you know when you think about like the the ethical eunuch and how they like to set up the emperor as this person that needs to be taken care of um you know the long fingernails so they can't wipe their own asshole kind of thing they're kind of that mindset where hey if we can you know really take care of this elite class of academics that don't know how to haggle we can keep them in a situation where they never feel like they have to haggle you know if they're out on a boat having some drinks or whatever or they're you know partying with you and that's where the deals are being made you know they're never going to be in that adversarial mindset that you and i would be in if we go we sit down at a boardroom somewhere and we've got our lawyers there you know that's like a little adversarial engagement yeah we're not you know getting ready to fight and go to blows or anything but you know you know what you wanted a deal i know what i wanted a deal i know what i'd like to get you to concede to you know we, we all know what we want and we're going to be pushing for it and the entire chinese mind that is how do we make sure you never even get to that mindset? How do we make sure that you never even feel this in engagement? We want you to feel comfortable. We want your guard down. And, you know, we want it to be, you know, friendship first. And then everything else is just a formality. Friendship, Guanji, right? You know, okay. that's essentially what it comes down to. It's not a superior system. It's just a superior mindset because we're not thinking in the same way they do. We're um, coming at everything completely backwards. Okay. So instead of, instead of doing the weigh-in, at a UFC and Joe Rogan's there at the microphone and we're getting up in each other's face and, you know, putting heads mm -hmm. right against each other. Instead, you're coming up to me and you're just, instead it's like we're both in sweatpants playing Xbox and you're just talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. I'm never even, I'm not in this mm -hmm. whole, like, I'm dehydrated, I'm, I'm in my briefs, I've got my gloves on. It's you're meeting Mike Tyson, you're meeting mm -hmm. Mike Tyson on an Xbox server instead of in the ring. Okay. Okay. Exactly. I, you know, I don't want the, you know, and that's unrestricted warfare. You don't yeah. want to fight them in the ring where they're ready for it. You because want they know that they off guard yeah. the whole time. They still know that they can't take us. It's going to be interesting if in 50 years we see them drop the whole facade of Wanji and, and, uh, and economic warfare and not asking the way to the emperor's cauldron. If all of a sudden they drop the facade, if they build up. A well, they already have. You think they have? Yeah. They're already doing that. Um, you know, when we look at the, the recent diplomatic uh, meeting with Blinken and whatnot, what, was, uh, what did it translate that they are saying that we do not believe that America has the qualification to speak from a position of strength? You know, they're already at that mindset where it's like, guess what? Most of the people running the show anymore are, you know, these purple haired academic kids. They've never had to haggle for anything in their life. You know, they, you know the older folks that are there that know what's up, they're either retired or they're so well taken care of that, you know what? You would, it's cheaper for the Chinese 
to, you know, make things, you know, really nice for that whole class of people than it is to uplift the entire American people, right? It goes right back to that. How do we get that Chinese colony of workers? And, and how do we make you feel so well taken care of that you will sell your country out without Colin Dale? You know, and if you ever think about Colin Dale, well, how do I make Dale feel so comfortable that he would rather me let in a bunch of Chinese and set up a Chinese colony than have to, you know, say, pay and hire a bunch of American locals? That's what it always kind of comes back to. It's that same mindset. It just kind of depends on what level of the dial you're at. Motherfucker. David, keep talking. I got to go pee. I drank a ton of water before this podcast. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, so um some of the things that we'll just talk about uh go back into the briefly uh how to the uh empty branches, you know, your wifeless men that will never have a chance of finding a wife in China, how that fuels the um essentially the human trafficking and how we're gonna see uh probably fishing boat diplomacy fuel that. Uh it's it's very well documented when we look at, you know, uh, Myanmar Burma is a really good example uh where you'll see a lot of cases of this and, and you know, keep in mind that when it comes to human trafficking, the, you know, the worst cases are the ones that we don't hear about. Uh, a lot of times you'll, you know, the, the most common way that these women get recruited, obviously they're trick thinking, hey, this, you know, I'm going to get a job. It'll be in hospitality or whatever. I'll be working at a hotel or a restaurant. Um, and then next thing you know, they're being locked into uh, some Chinese family home. And, you know, if they're really lucky, the family will be like, hey, all we want is like a kid. You know, we want you to give us, uh, you know, a kid, because if you're in China, right, you, you know, you don't get a retirement home. You don't get a nursing home. Your retirement plan is your kids taking care of you in your old age. So for them, you know, they view it as we have to procreate. We have to have a next generation no matter what. And they'll tell the, the girls, hey, if you just if you give us a kid, we'll let you go. Sometimes that actually happens. There are documented cases of uh, uh, girls from Burma and Myanmar uh, going back. Um, linking back up with their families. Obviously, these are like the, the best case scenarios. A lot of this, um, you know, it doesn't end up that way and you just don't even hear about it. Uh, a lot, you know, and as I said before, it's heavily documented, but a lot of this has been overshadowed now by the industrial, uh, you know, rape camps, as I like to call them, in uh, Xinjiang, or which translates to new territories in East Turkmenistan, where they're doing this to the Uyghurs. And we all hear about this now, where they're essentially, they're putting all the Uyghurs into camps, they separate the men, they bring in people, they hold the girls down, they rape the girls, and it's a big fucking mess over there. Absolutely tragedy. But this is also happening on the, you know, on the East side too where they're bringing in these women across the border whether they're being tricked there some of them are being sold into slavery by their own families that's even the um even a nastier case in which case you know even if the girl breaks free and they go back you know it's kind of like you know what do you want to do you want to go back to the family that sold you into slavery in the first place um so it's a really nasty subject to go into over there and it's just getting more difficult to deal with because not a lot of people really want to talk about it obviously uh you know youtube algorithms don't like it when you talk about uh any kind of trafficking and they'll, they'll try to paint you with some kind of conspiracy theory about you know deep underground tunnels and, and stuff like that but you know we can easily go on academia.edu we can easily go and look at humanitarian studies of this happening find a mainstream news outlet that will report on it that that's the challenge yeah i remember i tried to run an advertisement on uh, facebook mm. last fall i had on mitzi purdue who runs uh WTF.org win this yeah. fight against human trafficking and I tried to run an ad on it and it said I couldn't run it because it was too political we didn't say uh, we. I don't think we said Biden or Trump's yeah. name during the whole thing apparently that's a political issue 
which is man if it's a political issue i'd like you know, to know the, which the, side's the side for that it. wants <laughs> to tear down statues yeah. yeah which side's for it and which yeah, against yeah the please. side that wants to tear down all these statues because of slavery all of a sudden doesn't don't, don't they don't want to talk about crap. slavery because it's a political issue it's like which is very well odd. that's a so yeah you know so, you yeah, YouTube took a very strange U-turn right around the state's rights somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. So they said I – or so Facebook said I couldn't put up this ad because it was too political. So instead what I did was I screenshotted – I screenshotted their message saying that this ad was too political. And I posted the screenshot and I ran an ad on the screenshot and said, can mm-hmm. I run an ad on this image of you telling me 30 – I mean it normally takes 12, 20, 12 to 24 hours to get an ad approved. My new ad, can I post a screenshot of you guys saying that human trafficking is too political? I tried to run an ad on that. I shit you not, in under five minutes. They didn't acknowledge my new ad, but they went back to the human trafficking one and said, yeah, sure, send that one right through. Green light, green lit it, went right through. And I was just like, man, that's, you know, part of me was happy because I won, but another part of me was like, that's. It's so fucking dirty, right? I was just it's, like, I just, dude, I was, I was in the freezer at the liquor store, stocking shelves, and even in there, I got the chills. I was like, that's yeah, man, it, I shouldn't it, be able to play hardball like that. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting <laughs> how much these people are willing to do, you know, to protect and cover up for people that are doing things. I mean, that's, hell, that's, they were going to give Cuomo have, an Emmy, but yeah, that's you know, why for, fortunate, fortunately, he didn't assault enough women for it to become a statistic. It's still a tragedy, so you know they'll 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 hang him for it. <laughs> that dude, that's you know when people say I'm OCD about putting my podcast on external hard drives wrapped in fireproof, waterproof, EMP-proof bags inside of a safe. A year ago, a lot of quarantine's been going on for a year. If 13 months ago you had said that you wouldn't be able to go to church because the government said so, you'd say, what are you smoking? Mm -hmm. So you know what? I think it's only going to be a number of years before. Why do you need an external hard drive that's not connected to the Internet? What what do you have to hide? Why do you need, Mm -hmm. you know, just like a 30-round magazine? Why do you need 100 terabytes of storage? Why do you have a VPN, Tommy? What what civilian needs 100 terabytes of storage? You know, what are you doing? I think think we limit to citizens to one gigabyte a year of external storage. Because other than that, what, what do you need off the Internet? What are you hiding? That's why I don't trust these motherfuckers at all. It might be a year. It might be 10 years. That's why I've built my own NORAD. And that's why... There are external locations as well that won't be named. So if mine gets taken out, the podcast will will endure. Yeah, it's about protecting the library first because we can always find a platform for it. Always find a and, you know, it, it's an incredibly disturbing subject because, you know, why are our policymakers and our elite so comfortable with just slow walking Chinese policy onto us? Well, it's because for decades now, Wanji, baby, you know, the wheels are getting greased. We're figuring out who needs to grease. So can this be solved militarily? Like, are we, do you think we're ever, do you think there's some just people in the Pentagon that at some point are just looking at this thing that are smarter than you and I, that have more intel than you and I, and they're going, hey, it's going to be another 10 or 20 years, but the Chinese are slowly taking over this country. Do we just do what needs to be done? And do they just go in and just abolish China or has mutually assured destruction ensured that no nation can ever do that well I I think it actually you know no matter what nobody wants to drop the bomb no matter how much we escalate things on a 
ball level. No yeah. one wants to go straight to their strategic weapons. Uh, do I think that things can be solved with a military solution? Um, I would say half yes and half no, because the solution is obviously something that the military would never want to put its name to. But remember, at the end of the day, the entire doctrine of unrestricted warfare, the, the entire doctrine exists is because I know at the end of the day, you call Dale, right? I'm dead. Right. So we're trying to avoid that. So the deterrent factor right there is, well, what happens if examples get made? So what if I just – Exactly. Yeah, so if I'm, if I'm yeah. examining them and I'm going, all David wants is for us to not call Dale, instead of playing his game, why don't we just call Dale? Yeah, so that's essentially the solution. That as soon as a couple, you know, what what does you know the entire doctrine for? It's going right up to the line, and when you know that you're actually about to experience blowback, unlike Americans, the Chinese actually back off when they suspect blowback is not happening. Not Americans, we just double down, and it blows up in our face, and it's like, ah, fuck it, you know, we'll get another budget, we'll do it again next year. Doesn't but matter. you know, at the end of the day, if a couple examples get made, and all of a sudden, you know, the Chinese experience real blowback, suddenly they're going to go, well, you know what, put that one on the back. Burner, we're going to go find out where Dale isn't, and we're going to go fuck around there. Now, is that what we saw with Trump? And was that is that what was Trump their blowback? Did they get blowback? And, oh, definitely. And did they come back with a slithery hand? Did they come back with COVID? We can still say that on YouTube. One, we can one hundred percent. You know. Yeah, um, you know, I'm not going to say anything that, you know, ain't about specific designs of how that could have happened. But at the, you know, keep it YouTube safe. But yeah, Trump was 100% know, it was designed in the Wuhan virology. The you know, whether, whether, the, whether, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, maybe binary. Absolutely. No, or, it was 100%. You know, yeah, but that's not binary. That's, that's, that's what not, it was. They're, they're, it's yeah, biological yeah, warfare. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to say it. I will. Yeah, but. Right. yeah you know, the, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you can say it, and I'll just say, you know, there's a book. I saw Joe's, uh, Joe Teddy's reading it now, Unrestricted Warfare. I highly recommend everyone get one. Uh, great book. But um, at, at the end of the day, that's what it was. There was the Trump coming into power, and for the, the Chinese, this was the first time they had ever experienced real blowback for what they've been doing. And whether the average American understood instinctively or not, that's, you know, that's why you got behind someone like Trump. We understand whether it's unrestricted warfare and Chinese intelligence activity, elite capture strategies or not, you understand you're being sold out to the Chinese and you want someone that's going to stand up to them. And, you know, the only issue is that Trump didn't have an intuitive understanding of just how well elite capture strategy has played out in the United States intelligence community. And that's essentially why um, they were able to pull something so dirty in front of the entire American people to get someone in that, you know, the Chinese establishment controls, the uh, the compromised intel establishment controls and you know at the end of the day they're willing to you know despite the whole hunter biden and everything they'd rather have someone that they control in there rather than having trump in there because at the end of the day guan xi you know for decades now the chinese have been figuring out well guess what if we if we study the americans aren't going to study their own plum book the americans aren't going to study who's the senior executive services the americans aren't going to study who makes that but if we do it and we butter their bread, we don't have to butter America's bread. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and that's essentially what it comes down to. No, it's a brilliant tactic. You're right. You know, uh, the American way is you only butter the bread of the person you want to do business with. You know, I come to David and I'm like, David, come on my podcast. Fuck everybody else. I'll give you a hundred bucks. And that's kind of been the American tactic forever. And more often than not, you find someone that's like, yeah, your podcast sounds cool and I could use a hundred bucks, man, but I'm fucking over my family and friends. And what you're saying is, is 
okay, just butter David and butter up his brothers and sisters and parents. And then, you know, that's enough that they're all like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, we're good. Don't worry about everybody else. You know, originally you're like, you're going to screw over my parents yeah. and you're going to screw over my whole It's cheaper town. in the long run. It is. No, and it's brilliant. You have to respect it for what it is. However, I saw an article last night and I had never heard of the term until you told it to me was the blob, B-L-O-B, which if I can recall correctly, mm-hmm. that is the senior executive service slash deep state slash unelected elite slash that's it, right? Same thing, correct? Yeah, it's 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 the it's the Jes you know it's going back to the Jesuits who would educate the Habsburgs, understanding yeah, yeah. that if 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 you control you know, and that's that's where Obama started to term what we call the blob, is because obviously he came in with kind of this this leftist populist message, right? He's coming in, hope, change, and all this crap. Uh, regardless of whether or not he actually means it, he gets surrounded by the blob, and the blob makes sure that the only thing he hears. Uh, or whether it's opinions from the right or the left, it's opinions that the blob approves from. So you're never going to go outside that Hegelian dialectic. And that is exactly what the senior executive service exists to do, going back to President Carter, um, is how do we create this this blob that can control the policy and can create, it's, a, it's meant to be an echo chamber, essentially. What does is, what is Hegelian dialectic mean? Okay, so basically going back to it, um, you know, the what I was saying on the last podcast, okay, you have your, you know, it's your controlled opposition and making sure that, you know, you have two choices and both those choices are ones you like. So you know, going back to whether it's here or in South America, right, we're going to bring in this this rhino, this, this person that says that they're right wing, but they're really going to give you socialism light and their job is to be the good cop, to be the gentle hand and everything, but to give you just enough socialism so that the youth want more and that the older folks aren't happy with that. And so when you're no longer happy with, with the right hand here, well, the left hand path comes in and the ref, left hand path is full on communism, full on red terror. And the entire purpose of that is to just get you so scared to get you so reactionary to that, that you either go with them full down the road to communism, or you happily welcome back your controlled opposition, your your Republican rhino, or uh, whoever that may be in your country. So the idea is you never really had the choice. The, you know, the Republican was always a Democrat. He just ran as a Republican because he knew he was in a Republican district. And, and that he if he says, hey, we're, we're we're trying to make infrastructure. We're trying to build roads, right? You know, we're trying to do stimulus. That's not social. It's socialism, but it's not socialism, right? But they're still selling you the same thing. Hmm. And, okay. and that's essentially, you know, that Hegelian dialectic. And that's how our senior executive service blob tends to run things. They're going to come in and they're going to give you what sounds like two different options, but really it's going to be the same option. It's going to be approved, you know, at the same level for the same policy. It's just, you know, how do you want to dress it up? Okay. So it's two steps forward, one step forward. Exactly. You, you, you might think you have another option. You don't have another option. Okay. So, yeah, I had never heard that term before the blob. So I saw an article last night um, that – and it was um, – it, it, it wasn't – it wasn't – it wasn't – it wasn't anti-Biden – you can't really find those. No, you can. That's not. That's that's putting my head in the sand. No, you can find those. But there was an article saying uh, the Biden blob, 
and it was saying although it's run on a um although it's ru- it was run on a ticket of um you know yes we can you know old white guy with young black woman and you know uh you know trans rights and and illegal immigrants and it, although it was run on kind of hope and change 2.0 the reality is is the article was saying is what you meet the new boss what you get what yeah what they're saying is what you get is you is the blob that had been there for decades which was threatened by trump we kicked trump out but now we have the blob again mm-hmm. and it's kind of you know it's it's the the opposition to the blob they just had to paint it was orange man it was orange mean man who made mean tweets and stupid orange man very easy to kick out orange man orange man bad blob good national security experts good well not even that not, e- not even that because not, not even that it's so much as they they intelligently and again you got to respect your enemy they intelligently wove it as orange man bad biden hope and change and progress good but in reality that's that was blob yeah and, and if you listen to a lot of think tanks that i do they open say this uh, you know as i said the last time uh, i think you were you know i was monologuing at this point but you know like i listen to center for strategic international studies um i listen to brookings institute and their, and their little lawfare group to you know council on foreign relations you know I, and specifically you know if you I, I like to listen to brookings people because they're they're so fucking arrogant that they they, they say the quiet part out loud sometimes and so they're really they're kind of fun to listen to um but yeah if you listen to them throughout the entire campaign a they were they were all you know kind of softly critiquing bernie and it's like well you know bernie is all right but you know he doesn't have the expertise or the experience and da-da-da. you know they you know they always like to use that one but essentially the entire campaign was like a party of like we're coming back baby we're coming back just wait america's about to be back we're going to be back into power and it's all the same obama admin people that had just gone into lawfare that had gone into brookings they and they're just they're just sitting there you know brookings for them it's not a job it's just a waiting room for when they're back in the you know the policy positions yeah i'm put just me in, coach. i'm just over put here me, chilling put me in, and, coach you, you know, know i got it and you know i'm getting you know i may not be getting paid directly from the government anymore but guess what the government's paying my think tank i'm still getting my dollars and i'm just sitting over here waiting until i'm back yeah, yeah. that's not, yeah that's what it is a, that's the blob baby if i'm not in a think tank i'm in a contractor and that contractor's getting them dude i'm reading base nation i think i told you i'm reading base nation by david vine for everybody listening to this podcast Base Nation by David Vine. I'm not finished with it yet, but it's easily top ten favorite books of mine of all time. It's insane, and uh, this is a guy that, if if I'm reading him correctly, I think is more of a a liberal anti anti American empire, not anti America. And if and I could be reading that incorrectly, but I'm trying to get him on the podcast. But anyway, his book it's an incredible book. Um, Old school rational lefty is what. Yes, that's that's the vibe I'm getting or, from. Or center lefty or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Regard and as I said, everyone. Regardless, I, I don't care what his stance is. He's a fantastic author, and I want him on the yeah. podcast. But man, his book, Base Nation, it's it's insane when you realize the the entrenchment, the how not just with soldiers and bases but with the caterers with all the contractors with all the and the services we provide i'm slowly starting to realize and it's an it's an odd realization i don't know if it's the black pill or i don't know if it's just like a, a ruby red pill but it's the realization that american 
this we've been doing the Belt and Road Initiative since the fifties. <laughs> like we've been doing it, mm-hmm. and now we're going. Oh, China's Bretton doing woods, it, man. Yeah, but you realize you go. Oh, we've been doing this thing for decades, and then it, it raises the question of like, at a certain point. You know, is it like how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb? Like at a certain point, do you just bend over and say, oh, you know what? I like the deep state. My guys are in charge. At a certain point, is that the pill you have to take? Is it just, is that what we've been offered? You know, if we were. That that would be the pill that gets us back on track. Because the problem is, the problem that exists right now that why we're being outcompeted by the Chinese is at the end of the day, when we started doing our Belt and Road, right, we knew what we were doing. We knew why we were doing it. The problem is the people that have inherited that believe all of our own propaganda. And so when they show up and they, you know, and they're trying to make a deal and they're saying, history, you know, fuck history, man. It's about progress now. Just sign the dotted line. We're doing progress. It's because they literally believe our own propaganda after all these years, you know, and combine that with the lefty propaganda that's just getting shoved in there. And they just think it's a given. They think that the institutions are never going to go anywhere because they inherited the institutions. Meanwhile, the Chinese are still young and hungry. They're just getting started with their Belt and Road project. They've got, you know, Chinese intel officers and CCP officials in every little business that's taking part in that Belt and Road project. And they are not, they're not fooling themselves for one second. They know what the goal is. They know what they're trying to do. And whether, you know, they're not going to call it unrestricted work looking to, uh, you know, make a, a personal relationship first and then turn it into business. They're looking for your Hunter Biden and your family. They're looking to, you know, that's what they're looking to do. And they're not a, they're not going to pretend it's anything different. You know, they might to your face, but in their mind, they are 100% certain on what they're doing. Meanwhile, the, the closest thing we have to 100% certain is some uneducated, you know, fruit with from uh, Brookings is 100% certain that, you know, pushing Navalny and Russia's pro-democracy, liberal democracy and all that, you know, they're 100% certain that and that anyone that goes against that's on the wrong side of history. That's the only thing they're certain about. And that's why they fail. And that's why Belt and Road is succeeding. Yeah, there's this, <clears throat> there's this article on Reddit, and I've been permabanned from Reddit for a while. Um, I actually managed to slither an account, slither in, in an account about about a month ago and haven't been IP banned yet. But on my desktop computer near my kitchen, which is where my fat ass goes, every time I eat, I go sit and, and vegetate in front of the screen, is uh, it's one of my accounts that it's been banned, but it's still like logged in. If I log out, I know I lose it. I, I'm just logged in because I'm still sub to all of the subreddits I like. So like, although I can't use it, and every time I log in, there's just this, there's like a, a, a like an inch wide red banner across the entire top of the screen that says you've been permanently suspended, and it's just like, all right, whatever. That's my that's my that's my Jewish star. I go on that. Yep. I still go on that account every day just because all of my favorite subreddits, it's, they're all curated. So it's just like, okay, I can't participate, but I can still watch. Um, that being said, it's. It's whenever I go to the search bar. It's a, there's a long convoluted way to say. It. Every time I go to the search bar and type in R for Reddit, it goes to like the last article that I was able to comment on for whatever reason. It's just like the internet history, and it's been like four months, five months. But it's this article on our politics, and it says Noam Chomsky thinks that Trump is the worst 
criminal in human history. And of course, it's got like 100 trillion upvotes. It's got like 70 trillion awards. And it's just a bunch of yes queen and white man bad and hope change progress. But if you go in and look at the top comment, which of course are just, you can predict them all. It's this is why this is correct. The very top comment is saying, you know, whereas, and I, I shit you not, you can go in and you can go find the article. Whereas Hitler and Stalin killed an untold number of people, they were doing it as a means to an end. They had a goal. Whereas Trump, by removing us from the Paris Accords, his end goal is to kill all of humanity. So whereas Hitler and Stalin did kill a lot of people, at least they did have a finish line that once they got to, they weren't going to do any more. Whereas Trump knows no. And I'm reading this, and the Overton window has shifted so much that you're now allowed to go, hey, I know Mao, I know Mao, Stalin, and Hitler killed a tenth of a billion people in less than a century. I get it. But here's why they weren't actually that bad. The Overton window has shifted so much. Now you could argue, has it actually shifted? Is it all curated? Are there bots, fake up votes, fake awards to make it appear as if the minority is the majority and vice versa, which is why on Reddit you have to sort by controversial. It's the only time you can get any sort of normal opinion or, sorry, you know, less politically incorrect opinion. But the point is, is of me saying that is, is like you can see how things are shifting to within to where it's been going on for at least my whole life to where we've been yeah. conditioned that white white man, America man, bad. It's 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 genius. And, and so what you just mentioned goes back to the first talk we had. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I said in the in the first talk and, and what you just said, you know, Trump pulling this out of the Paris Accord is basically him declaring war on humanity. Well, right, right back to the first talk we did, you know, when I was talking about how um, essentially in our senior executive service and at the foreign policy elite level, how are people selected for advancement? Well, it's whether or not you believe that. One hundred percent, you have to believe that, because in order for us to peacefully sell out our country to China, you have to believe that if we have go into Thucydides trap and we have a conflict, you are killing the entire world. And that the only peaceful solution is to sell us out to China and facilitate the peaceful rise of China. So that is 100% it. When, when the foreign policy community, when, they, when the institutional policy elites say, hey, pulling us out of the Paris Accord, Trump doing this, is him declaring war on all of humanity. It's him saying he's going to get everyone killed. That right there, they're telling you straight up that is the framework which they see foreign policy and how America needs to be going. That is 100% the the Kissinger Department of Energy school of thought being broadcasted and told to you straight to your face. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we can't have a country anymore. I'm sorry. If we we have a conflict with China, it's over. So you've got to give yours up. Now, where was the concern of Thucydides' trap throughout the entire Cold War? um, Well, I mean... No one gave a shit. Instead, it was, we need to meet them on every front. Well, it was more or less, um, you know, Thucydides' trap was kind of existed, but didn't become popularized. It was more about the domino, you know, theory there, the domino effect. Okay, so, you know, Vietnam's going to fall to communism. And next thing you know, everyone's going to fall to communism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was kind of, the you know, the bullshit, even though, you know, there's nothing of strategic value other than heroin, of course, in Southeast Asia for us to be. 
a fighting over dirt for over there. Um, but you know, guess what? If we have dead bodies fighting over dirt and, and rice fields over there, that's cavities we can be stuffing heroin in. So um, going back to you know white star sapphires and whatnot. But um, you know that's the the old school play there. But it was more about domino theory than, than necessarily Thucydides trap. But you know we that mindset did somewhat exist, and that's why um, say our version of Belt and Road was so effective is because we understood, hey, we can't necessarily you know start a shooting war business in all these countries and we're bribing them and we fully understand what we're doing you know not like today where it's just you have a bunch of young punks that have kind of inherited these institutions and believe their own propaganda you know back then we were setting up a belt and road so that we could confront the soviets without going kinetic so maybe was the world more stable when the soviet union was well existed but still could offer a significant counterpunch to the U.S. Was the world more... Did the world... We've talked about this on our first episode, was um, does having two powers going at each other, does that sort of act as almost a chariot in which humanity can ride technological progression at a faster rate than just having one alone, right? If you just have one government contractor versus setting up two, (laughs) think Los Alamos, Sandia, pit them against each other. Sorry, I know I'm talking in one long breath, but we have this delay, so I I gotta just punch in my thought real quick. Is it is it that having these two forces acting at each other does have we not progressed as fast since 1991 and are they maybe arguing let's just you know it's devil's advocate let's take their argument but maybe they look at a chinese belt and road maybe they let it be developed and built as a counterweight to our existing belt and road from the late 40s until well, actually it was signed under under fdr the first foreign bases is it is it a way of saying, you know, we let them build their belt and road to an extent, and once they're at parity with us, then all of a sudden do we cut them all off and you bring back in a Trump-esque person, and now we have these two powers fighting at each other, and that acts as sort of an engine for stabilization and competition? Or is this is this wishful thinking? Do we just have a bunch of scumfuck rat elites who are selling us out? Well, you know, as I said previously, you know, the the strategy of definitely leading them into Africa and encouraging them to build some things that are are not in our backyard. For example, I would never encourage this strategy in South America because, you know, it's in our hemisphere. And, you know, I kind of like the 1823 Monroe Doctrine to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially, you know, in, in a realm of hypersonic nukes. You know, I don't want, you know near strategic pure competitive threats possibly putting containers of missiles or whatever you know just south of the border or something like that but at the end of the day going back and looking things at the grand strategic geopolitical level multipolarity is always going to be more stable than a bipolar system you know if we have a bipolar system of two opposites that hate each other it's just going to be proxy conflicts and, and domino theory right you know everyone's going to very well if this you know one's going to flip this one's going to flip and so you end up with all these proxy conflicts and then there's you know going back to more of a, a pre-world war one view of history if we have a multipolar system now people are still worried about this because how did world war one started well we had a bunch of convoluted alliances that didn't make sense and somebody shot somebody and next thing you know you know things are popping off in the balkans but you know that was you know, a lot of that probably should have been sorted out in better ways to begin with. It, you know, these were just old alliances that didn't, you know, that didn't really cope with the fact that Germany, well, Prussia had become Germany and that Germany was becoming a greater power that was challenging uh, 
Britain naval superiority. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, if you have a multipolar system rather than a bipolar system, it's just going to be a lot less likely to have Uh, the constant funding approximately between two other superpowers, and they're going to be more incentivized um, to be essentially a, a neutral mediating factor. This was the you know the original idea of how the European Union got off the ground, uh, going back to you know guys like Oswald Mosley, you know when you know he went beyond their, uh, you know, beyond his thoughts on fascism and everything that he had in his early days when he was, there was a speech he gave in front of the United Nations where he was kind of talking about his vision of a united Europe versus what the EU would actually turn into. And from his idea, the entire idea of having a united Europe would, would have been a great solution to solve the Cold War because then you would have some kind of neutral mediating power that is going to be more incentivized to maintain stability in their backyard or in between and not necessarily having uh you know these groups pop off at each other and of course if you have more people there are kind of competing in arms races and whatnot it's just it's a lot less likely that they're going to try to outspend one another and start an arms race if it's kind of ever one having to do it you know you're much more likely to go back to the old school days like if you go back to world war one um you know the one of the reasons that caused this major issue is that in the old school days uh guys would have listened to guys like bismarck they would have listened to the old school conservatives it was said hey if you build dreadnoughts if you build a navy that britain feels um challenged by Britain is not going to be our friend anymore, you know, and, and how did, you know, Britain hold down the continent with the French and everything while they were out, you know, sailing around the world, setting up an empire? Well, it was the Prussians. The Prussians were, were the boots on the ground that made sure that the, the continent was not at So how did we change that alliance to what we see now where the, where the French and the Brits against the Germans and that, you know, they had a hundred years war. How the fuck did this happen? Um, you know, Wilhelm was the uh, the grandson of Queen Victoria. How the fuck did this whole clusterfuck happen? Well, it's because once the, the old school conservatives like Bismarck were thrown out and people started listening to guys like uh, Admiral Tirpitz, well, you know, you ask an admiral, hey, uh, you know, you want a bigger navy? Fuck yeah, I want a bigger navy. Of course I want a bigger navy. I want dreadnoughts like the British have. And the old leadership would have said, if we build dreadnoughts, we're challenging the British and it's going to fuck up everything. But those those old school guys that understood this were out of the way. And, you know, guys like Wilhelm II, guys like Tirpitz were just thinking, well, you know, Wilhelm grew up grandson of Victoria. Wilhelm grew up seeing how the British Empire was and how the British Navy was. And he wasn't thinking of it as we're going to challenge the British. He was just thinking, well, that's how empires are supposed to run. I want a Navy just like, you know, my family has a Navy over here. And not, not understanding that to the realists, you are challenging them. And that is how we get, you know, say Ukraine crisis or anything else. We have this this coddled elite that inherited these institutions, didn't build them, didn't, you know, um, doesn't know what it takes to build them, doesn't know what other people are going to view as a threat. And next thing you know, Russia is popping off and saying, no, we're serious. You're you're the ones fucking around. It's that it's that exact same mindset it's it's realism versus idealism and the the re-lose and the chinese win at the end of the day is because they're still operating from the mindset of realism while as the guys that are calling our shots are operating from the mindset of idealism i've got my mind turning and um and that's how multipolarity versus bipolarity tends to work and yeah 
I'm gonna pee again. <laughs> David, keep talking. All right, go for it. <laughs> you know, I didn't mean to go too much into World War One history there, but you know, it's really important if you want to get into you know understanding the dynamics. Uh, you know, because most of us have only grown up knowing either a, a bipolar system. You know, if you're old enough to to remember the Cold War with the Soviets, you remember what a bipolar world is like. And then you know, most people. Well, my generation growing up, we only know what a unipolar world looks like with America on top. You know, the idea of a multipolar world that existed pre-World War One is almost an alien concept. And it's one of the things that we really need to study and pay attention to, because that's the only way that we're going to have stability. It, it, is it's going to be, hey, if we can get the Chinese Communist Party to collapse the same way that Russia collapsed and has reformed, you know, there's, you know, there's corruption, there's problems with Russia now, but they're not. See, they don't have an ideology that's seeking to conquer the world. Russia is not a a pure threat to us now. Russia is someone that we can have a healthy, competitive relationship with now. Obviously, we're still going to have proxy war conflicts with them here and there. We're going to have our differences here and there, but we can work with Russia as a healthy rival at that point. In a way that we can't work with the Communist Party as a healthy rival. Now, if another Chinese state were to emerge. Obviously, we're going to have competition. Even if we're in Israel, for example, we have a lot of competitive um, interests that don't align with Israel's interests, and we're always having to, you know, work around those. But we can work around those because we have close enough ideological frameworks that we can get away with it. And that's really the only way that we can build a more stable system is if we have um, a multi-polar world full of great powers that all do kind of operate from the same system. If you have, you know, two great powers, if you have Russia and China that are up from the mindset of a realist, and then you have America that's, you know, just operating from an idealistic standpoint, you're going to have conflict just because the idealists aren't going to believe the realists when the realists say, don't cross this line. So um, let's zoom out, go to the 30,000-foot view. What if, hear me out, what if the elite are looking at the world, say global warming for whatever you believe in it or not, whether you think it's man-made or not, whether you think it's solar or not, whatever, the temperatures are increasing, that's an objective fact. Let's say they're looking at this thing and they're like, no amount, even if we did a global Manhattan project with every nation on Earth, we couldn't reverse climate change. Let's say there's some think tank that just shows like hey man this thing's done by 2040 by 2050 it's done this thing's cooked they're looking at well let's flee the planet and either maybe they wait until the the sea rises and it kills all of humanity and then they can come back down as the earth kind of heals itself or maybe they're looking at an offshore or they're they're looking at a mars outpost or perhaps maybe even like an elysium type thing where it's orbiting earth so let's look at this. So what do they need? Let's say that they're looking at this. It's 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 you can't it can't it can't be changed and can't be fixed. Even if they did want to work with us with us plebeians, they couldn't do it. So they're looking at well, what do we need? We need we need rocket technology. We need space technology. Now we could do a full Manhattan project and say we must have dominance in space. That's one way to jack ahead. Uh, to rocket technology, getting it, it's a lower pound per or lower dollar per pound to, to orbit. Um, but what if they are looking at it and they're like, what's an even faster way? You know, like what got us to the moon, right? Rocket technology. Why were they so scared of Sputnik? Not because it was a sphere that beeped, but because that sphere beeping 
could be a nose cone with a warhead that could come right down on DC from across the world. So what if they're looking at it as we need a new formidable enemy and we're going to pit the United States at China and vice versa. And what they're going to do is the new, uh, you know, Mr. President, we cannot have a, a mine shaft gap or, you know, a bomber gap or a missile gap. What if they want China to get more powerful so that we can have a Sputnik it's Sputnik 2.0 moment where all of a sudden we have some Chinese thing where all of a sudden it's China's orbiting 300, you know, whatever their equivalent of Marines are. They have a they have a 300 soldier orbiter. We have our Sputnik moment where we go, you know, America's kicks in into high gear. We got to you know, develop Space Force. All of a sudden Space Force is getting 200 billion a year. And what you do is you pit these two nations at each other hyper accelerate their ability to create spacefaring technology right we're gonna it's gonna blossom in every field not just how to get to space but how to make you know how to deal with microgravity bone density loss muscle tissue loss uh uh extra planetary and extrasolar radiation just the whole the whole spiel of how to be able to survive in space it's going to turn to outposts on the moon it's going to turn to it's going to be like for all mankind the tv show which i haven't watched but it's what if that's the idea is that we've got 29 years till this thing's tanked the quickest way for us the elites to to get to the moon is to slow down our rise for 20 years let's say they figured this out 20 years ago slow down america's rise for 20 years let china catch up and right when china kind of starts to get parity maybe around 2025 we stop holding back America and we let China and America go back at it and they're going to make a century of spacefaring gains in 20 years. And then around 2045, we have all the technology and then us and we'll take some elites from China and we eat out of here. And we, you know, we drink adrenochrome from a chalice and sacrifice it to Moloch and watch Earth collapse from orbit. Or is that that I just well, did I go? You know, the, the main case. You know, I, I think the main case that I would make against that is that at the end of the day, when we look at what the what the secret space program, yeah, what what is the secret space program budget that we have now? Well, we know it's basically unlimited. We look at what they're putting out for people now. It's money printer go burr, right? Mm -hmm. We're just we're, we're we're running the fiat currency until it runs out anyway. So it's not like you in you know going back to nine eleven and everything due to the war on terror. It's like you if you want to build. And, you know, some program where you're just going to take into high gear, you know, it all the infrastructure already exists to do all this outside of the, the public eye. It's already there. You don't necessarily need to give China that chance to catch up, to create that, that atmosphere. As a matter of fact, I would argue it's better that you don't, because once you allow that to happen, the average American is starting to think geopolitically, they're starting to think about threats to them, and they're starting to think about, well, what do I do if I get nuked, and how do I get out of here? You know, if if, I, if that was my goal... Let, right, go ahead. Sorry, let me... I, I held my finger up not to be a douche, but just because we have the delay. But what if... This, I'll let you run in a second. But what if the idea is... No, let China rise so that every worker in these secret space programs, they come to work every day with the same sort of oomph as they did when they thought the Soviets were going to nuke us from orbit any second. The idea is you make you make the thing, you get a little extra oomph that money can't provide. You get the true, oh, fuck, the Chi-Coms are coming from orbit. Go on. 
you know, it, it's possible, um, but there's a lot of threats that, you know, that you could, you know, behind closed doors and stuff like that. There's a lot of things that, you know, you could bring up biological threats and, and, and you know, you don't necessarily need a peer competitor to, to say that that's, you know, that we, hey, we got these terrorists out there. They might be building dirty bombs. You know, there's CRISPR technology. You don't necessarily need that. And I would argue it's better that you don't, because if that was my goal, if I'm trying to, you know, get a breakaway civilization out of here, my entire goal is to keep everyone panicked. You know, if it was up to me, I would just be like, let's never talk about China. Let's never talk about terrorism. Let's bread and circuses. Let's just let's let Americans be fat, dumb, never hear anything about it. And meanwhile, you're just going through like the bad dude from Moonraker, just going through um, basically lists of, you know, academic students and whatnot, just going, I want this guy. I want Mm -hmm. this guy. I want this guy. I want this guy. And then what we can do is we can build psychological profiles on them and we can figure out what guy number A fears the most. We can find out what guy number B fears the most. We can find out what guy number C fears the most. And we can tailor it's very one, specific one threats that will motivate one, them it's one to, G, uh, right? to, to give you that extra boom. Yeah, Guan it's, 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 yeah, it's much yeah. easier to motivate a group of people rather than all of America. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. And that's once again, that's understand. This is why Americans are failing is because we don't understand the mindset of Guangxi uh, unless you're already unless you're thinking about it that way. We don't think about it that uh, way. But the Chinese, even if you're not an intelligence officer, the average Chinese businessman is thinking about it that way. He might not know it in terms of intelligence nomenclature, but he knows Guangxi. Ah, uh, so this whole podcast was a perfect example of that's not how us or me as an American. I'm the American ambassador. You can see that's not how I think. Right. I'm like, we got to get all of America going. And you're going, no, you only got get these mm-hmm. researchers, get these brilliant, these young Stephen Hawking's or uh, John von Neumann's. And you go, hey, this guy fears uh, Chinese ICBM. So you bring him into a briefing, right? A special access program. You go, hey, this is what China's doing. And that's how you get him to come join you at DARPA mm-hmm. instead of going and making a trillion dollars at Raytheon. And then you bring in the next guy and he fears uh, yeah. bioweapons. And you go, hey... If we get to space, we'll be able to, and you just feed them some bullshit, but you get them all to, okay, all right. Or maybe that's what's happening. Exactly. Or it could be aliens. It could be yeah. total bullshit. Is that what all the UFOs uh, You know, is? entire American people. Well, now, yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm going to have a bunch of, you know, conspiracy theorists, veterans, and all these kind of, you know, prepper type people. And they're going to be debunking me and, 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 re, you know, looking into my claims and trying to say, well, hey, they're not really doing this, they're doing that. When it's just better to just fuck all that to begin with, let Americans be fat, dumb, and stupid, and just approach the guys you want and figure out what, what will motivate them, whether it's money, whether it's fear, whether it's like the, you know, blue beam aliens coming down, you know, there's something that's going to motivate that guy, you know, going back to 1984, like, hey, if we know you're afraid of a rat in a cage, you know, that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to do to motivate you. Okay. Okay. Let's take it in 180 or kind of in 180. Um, Oh, fuck, dude. uh, Do you see that kind of in a completely side note, that shooting last night in Boulder? Um, I, I haven't looked into that one yet, but I, I heard about it. I don't you know. I don't. I don't have a conspiracy take on it or anything. I was just. It's just topical because my buddy Warren, who I've had on this podcast a lot, the meme set guy, he moved to Boulder, so I called him at like one in the morning. I was freaking out. I was like, Warren, you okay? He's like, he's like, yeah, dog. And I was like, all right. I was like, all right, fuck you. I'm not. I'm not worried about you. But um, to take it back before that, it's what uh me and Roger were saying the other day. 
we were just kind of spitballing about how it seems like Black Lives Matter, like sure, it comes up more during elections, but there is an actual problem in America with cops shooting unarmed black guys. Like that's an actual thing that's like, even as like a white, you know, Trump supporting guy that's against the left. No, that's that's kind of a bipartisan thing. We got to stop shooting unarmed black guys. It's just, that's no point now, right? But me and Roger were saying, and Roger, who is on the polar opposite political spectrum as me, but that's why he and I get along is because we can just we can just talk like adults. He was saying too. He was like, you know, I, though it's like something I do agree with you on. He's like, it kind of seems like the hashtag Stop Asian Hate. It kind of seems like it's just come out of nowhere, right? It's just kind of come out like you could t- trace BLM if you really wanted to back to like Rodney King. You could trace it back to the civil rights or the, and fire hoses, right? If you really wanted to make that argument, you could. Yeah. It- the last and I guarantee you, the Chinese are already looking at this and thinking, "How can we play this up?" Well, that's to, what Roger and uh, to I make were, it seem like well, there's a situation. Well, that's what Roger and I were saying yeah. is is stop China or stop Asian hate. Because really, I mean, the last Asian hate is, I mean, hate to break it to you guys, but it was uh, was the Democrat FDR. You know, he actually put mm-hmm. it in internment camps. But don't bring that up, and don't bring up Harvard's uh, reverse the reverse affirmative action program with Asians. That's institutionalized Asian hate. Yeah. And, and whatever you do, don't bring up the uh, the boxer rebellion. <laughs> oh yeah, I know, right? or the two opium wars uh, that, you know, that formed the, the pillar of Chinese nationalism that they refer to as the century of national humiliation. Uh-huh. Don't, talk, don't talk about how opium can be used to destroy the spirituality and the faith of the people and, and then bring in some kind of nihilist communism to take over. Yeah, or, you know, and is that happening again with fentanyl? We can't talk about any of that. But enough with these kind of tongue-in-cheek things. Let's just, what to me, what I think is a completely reasonable conspiracy is, is stop Asian hate. Is that a that a Chinese psyop just like let's say let's say the Nazis weren't as strong as they were when they just invaded Poland let's say that they were a very tiny weak power nothing close to a hegemon with if it was 2020 they would maybe start flooding newspapers and social media sites in Poland maybe <laughs> and start saying stop German mm-hmm. hate and they would just start going yeah exactly. stop German hate because you're getting ready because Hey baby, Germans it's the, it's the Russians saying, "Hey, our people are being oppressed in Crimea." It's the Ukrainians yes. saying, "Hey, our people are being oppressed in Crimea." It's yes. the Turkish saying, "Hey, our people are being oppressed in Crimea." Uh, that's one hundred percent. And and our strategy from a propaganda perspective is: a, we shouldn't even be saying "stop Asian hate." We should be saying "Asian lives matter" because I don't know if you've seen the controversy over that. But uh, when you look at the the black Marxists, they got really pissed off at the idea of an Asian lives matter, and they said, "Don't use." this hashtag don't say this say yeah stop asian hate because that is taking away from the black marxist mm. movement and so the you know the smartest thing we should we should just jump straight to is going hell yeah asian lives matter and because every time we can do that we're, we're pitting two marxist strategy camps right back at each other and that's what we want to be doing is we want to be we don't want the the black box of all communists united to be running psyops against us we want to be turning them against each other to fight against each other and that's essentially the the only strategy that we can go straight to there so we got to take their throwing arm and we got to grab it and flip them over we got to say no yeah you're right stop mm-hmm. asian hate exactly you gotta, play du- you gotta play dumb like a fox and go you're right stop asian hate actually asian lives matter. asian lives matter man asian lives matter they do all right mm-hmm. it's, is, is that what it all is is it just motherfucker 
you know, I, I hate to be such a, you know, a cynical bastard about such things, but, you know, that's just the way I, I see everything as propaganda and politics, and that's just how I view it. You see, you know, how they're going to try to astroturf this situation uh, to, you know, to play into the racial divide of America, and you just have to, you got to lean into it. You got to use their policy, use their terminology. If you know, hey, Asian Lives Matter is going to piss off this group of communists and make them hateful towards Asians, well, guess what? You're now driving the communists towards hating Asians, and then you're making the Asians realize, hey, communism is what's causing this. And then all of a sudden, you're you're recapturing the narrative. And that's what it's about. You want to recapture that narrative. So, is it, and I think it's Terrence McKenna said this, he was like, the real scary thing is not that the Americans are in charge, or that the Vatican's in charge, or that the Jews are in charge. He was like, it's none of that. Or it's not that shape-shifting aliens are in charge. He's like the true terrifying thing is no one's in charge and there are just these power pockets that are very good at it's just con artists figuring it out as they go along. They're very good at pretending like they're in charge, right? They're very good at making it seem like a black box coordinated effort. But is the reality is there no one in charge? Is everything isn't orchestrated? Maybe there is just chaos. Like maybe maybe stop Asian hate really was just a it was just a formulation in the infinitely infinite variable machine of the internet and it just for whatever reason rose to the top like why did the platypus evolve like sometimes you just get freaky outcomes right like sometimes it's just that's what happens is that true it could not be the case there's just there isn't a grand plan between china rising maybe china's just rising and maybe we're just rotting well, I mean, no matter what, at the end of the day, the people that rise to the top and call, you know, at, at a policymaking level, what is it? It's confidence artists, it's psychopaths, you know, getting to the top. And then what's, what is it? Power is the illusion of power, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of people that some of them are aware of that they're, you know, of how powerful they are and how in charge they are. But it's also the fact that, you know, it's, no one no one person is really in charge because at the end of the day once you get that level it's guanji it's all of us are all of us are married men going to the strip club and none of us are going to snitch on the other because if you snitch on me you snitch on yourself you know and that's kind of how it how it goes into you're either a part of that club or you're not so the question must be posed was epstein the ultimate practicer of guanji uh, well, I would say Ghislaine. No, normally when you're studying this, or it's FD normally the Ghislaine, theme. Yeah, yeah I, it's normally the, you know, whether it's Islamic terrorists, whether um, it's Chinese fang fang or whatever. Normally the, the intelligence officer is actually the female uh, okay. that's operating well, in, in that yeah. country or whatever that's, that's handling assets and whatnot. And, but yeah, it, essentially it is that, you know, it is 100 percent. Hey, if I if I can get Hunter Biden or whoever, you know, with blackmail material, that's Guanji too. You know, yeah. Guanji is either hey us on a fishing boat, you know, drinking some Sing Tao, and and we're we're coming up with the soft version of policy before we go in with our lawyers to just you know for, you know do the little uh, formality, uh, or it is one hundred percent getting blackmail so that you know I know we're in bed together now. I know we have Guanji because I've got you on tape, you've got me on tape, we've all got each other on tape, and no one's going to do shit because you snitch on me, you snitch on yourself, and that's that's Guanji. Yeah, so yeah, I, I don't I don't want to get caught up in is it Epstein, is it Ghislaine, is it whoever? It's just it's whatever is is the idea, and not not to deflect, not to say like let's not focus on them, but just for the sake of the conversation, is it the concept of using pedophilia on an island? Is that 
the ultimate Wanji because because yeah. you know you you and I go into the strip club. That's you know there's not okay. Let's say you have a crisis of conscience and you tell your wife like you, you and I really aren't in bed. Like you know who knows? Maybe my wife forgives me. Maybe she says fuck you. She's gone. But whatever. Man, if you're on an island doing just unspeakable acts, truly, just you know like biblical well, shit. It, it, you know it's about a slow. It's about slow walking you to that point, right? And at the end of the day, why do you want to get to the point where, you know, it's David or whatever, doing some awful shit? Oh, okay. um, Let me know when I'm coming again. All right. So the idea is walking you to get to that point because I know once I get you to the point where, say, you're going to whack a kid, right? You're going to take the kid out. There's nothing you won't do to protect the cause. you're 100% committed at that point. And the idea is, how do I walk you to that point? Well, it's never just going to go straight there. You know, that's that's a real hard thing to do. You know, you're not just going to ask someone, you know, hey, you want to go into this? Hey, you want to do some, you know, some real hard stuff? It's going to be, you know, can I get you to take a little bribe here? Can I get you to do a little bit of this here, a little bit of drinking over here? And then it's going to be that step. It's going to be like, hey, hey, hey. Okay, so first we, you know, we're just drinking, we're having a good time there. Then next thing you know, we're getting you to have a prostitute, right? And we're getting a prostitute, whatever. And next thing you know, regardless of whether or not, you know, I know Alex Jones like to talk about this all the time. Uh, regardless of whether or not the girl actually is underage, I'm going to come over and I'm going to say, hey, that girl is 16. You know, and, you know, coming from an entertainment background, you know, you see this kind of stuff all the ha- all the time and people will comment on it. You'll see these Ukrainian and these Russian dance troops that come in, you know, just a whole group of dancers. And you will see these girls that are never without makeup. And you can't tell if they're fucking 15 or 25. You have no fucking idea. Jesus. And most people are and most people are fucking scared to approach them and ask. Absolutely gorgeous girls. But you just you can't fucking tell you have no fucking idea sure. of what you're dealing with and so the point is if i can get you to that point where it's like hey you know man that girl you were with last night she was 16 or whatever but don't worry i'm gonna cover it up we got you covered it's good right and that's that next step of guanji and then once i have you there it's like once i have you have, have you doing something bad it's gonna be well i'm gonna get you doing something worse and something worse and something worse and the next thing you know you're a trained fucking killer part of the group you know you're you know if i tell you to go out and whack this guy you're gonna go out and whack that guy yeah, because it's that's Guanji, you know. It's a system of just <laughs> yeah, it's a system of just everything's knotted together and you can't go out. And it's man, you know, I feel like the ultimate thing would kind of be like the movie Kingsman where they you get an implantable explosive in like your spine and it's if you tell anyone about it's kind of like an Illuminati plan to kill everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's if you rat your head just explodes or like a Hitman, one of the levels there's like a head guy and they're the Illuminati the they're like they're just called providence providence is like they're not sure if this guy is who they thought he was and they're like are you loyal to the plan and he's like i've like given you 50 years of my life and they're like we understand that but they're like you're taking the shot and he's he's just like fuck you but it's basically it's a shot he has to take and it's like a little vial of like vx gas and it goes right into like the base of his neck and it's a capsule that they can detonate at any time now he never stabs him in the back but to them it was like we we don't trust you I don't know, man. Is, is is that the ultimate case? You get him up to do something like that. It's insurance. You know, one of my favorite games I used to play when growing up. It's actually where the where the game Among Us kind of got the idea from. It's called Space Station Thirteen, and it's like the the greatest Milgram Stanford Prison experiment ever run. Because you'll have like seventy people. Every one of them is a psychopath just waiting to get the the orders of Hey, you're a traitor. Hey, you're this, that, or the other, and you can just go around and do whatever the fuck you want. 
and they have stuff exactly, you know, it's actually insane. You can genetically engineer little viruses that'll make everyone talk like Bill Cosby. Or just like you said, they had, um, you know, uh, 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 you could surgically implant, you could turn someone into a robot, you turn them into a cyborg, you can implant them with a bomb that will go off if they say a certain thing, um, you know, just, you know, really absurd over the top stuff like that. It's just not as, you know, it's one of those things among us is this streamlined game that any kid can pick up and play. You got to like read, you know, hours worth of wiki to, you know, to play Stay Station 13 uh, proficiently because of how technical and you know, all the shit you can do. But yeah, it's it's 100 percent you know at the top level is 100 percent i i don't just the same way that we're going to start a, a business relationship and we're not going to fuck around and bullshit until we know the contract is signed and ironclad in the west not from a guanxi mindset but because we know the paper power of the contract it is enough to hold us in line well when you get into like super shady dark shit like that obviously we can't put that on paper mm-hmm. you know obviously the the only insurance i have is if something happens you're dead i'm dead you know if someone fucks up dead as fuck there's no other way about it so yeah bomb in the neck you know however you want to uh say it you know that is going to be the the ultimate deal there's no way around that that's the ultimate security clearance is boom i can i press this button you're dead okay you you fuck up you're dead there's no other way around it yeah is it yeah it kind of seems isn't it with uh the sr-71 blackbird to be a pilot you had to have uh you had to be married and i think you had to have at least one kid and forever people kind of thought oh because it meant that you were mature and that you were a little more stable because this was such a secret thing and like not just not just the fact that we were doing overflights but as well as the technology everything about it was just man if the soviets capture one of these or if somebody defects with it it's going to set us back decades their whole thing was to be a pilot you had to have a wife and at least one kid and some people a lot of people collateral well a lot of people misconceive it as oh it means they're stable and mature no it meant that your wife and your kid are here back home you're not all sneaking out on some red-eye flight to the soviet union when you're Mm -hmm. going on a flight we know where your wife and kid are they're on the base we have them you're coming back with that plane it's yeah it's dark And, and anyone that's studied, you know, say medieval history or, or understands how nobility think, you know, it's, it's a con, you know, the concept of nobility is so alien to the American mind, uh, you know, just because we think it's, you know, the only place in American society it really exists is at an unspoken level at the country club or in the military, for example, you know, officers. Now, that's the closest thing we have to nobility, and we don't really think about it like that. But that's what it was back in the day. You know, nobility was you got to have collateral. You're going to send your kid over here with me for a while because, you know, if you do anything wrong, I'm going to kill your kid, right? It's, uh, you know, why, why did Rommel commit suicide when he got implicated in the plot to kill Hitler? Uh, yeah, and Hitler? Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? You know, if Rommel doesn't off himself, we're killing your family. Yeah. And that's essentially what it is. You have to have that level of collateral or you're not in the game, you know, and to the, the, you know, does it mean you're more stable? Yeah. The same way they want to be looking at finances and saying, hey, this guy doesn't have a gambling problem. He does not doesn't have cash flow problems. So he's not going to be susceptible to, you know, a quick and easy bribe. You know, he's got a wife and kid here, you know, so we know if he goes and does anything, we're on his fucking family, you know, and that's the mindset. You know, and we don't think about it just because the average American never will think about hostage diplomacy. But if you go and you study medieval history and you study, you know, what nobility did, hostage diplomacy, that's like 101. You better learn how that works. 
Man, maybe that's why maybe that's why we don't hear about, you know, like the what was it Gary McKinnon who alleged or broke into a def, broke into a computer in the United Kingdom, I think in the late 2000s or early 2010s and allegedly hacked into it. No, I think he did hack into like the US defense network and I think he went to jail for that. Now what he found allegedly was proof of a program called Solar Warden which is all about the U.S.'s sp- secret space fleet, and apparently we don't have shuttles; we just have full-on like space destroyers, and we're protecting the, you know, protecting the solar system. More realistically, you probably just have a hand up on the Chicoms and the Soviets. Maybe that's why we don't hear about that shit is because they're so airtight hey, with their know, yeah. May, may- Well, you know, they're all doing 20 and backs or whatever. And, you know, they get the little MIB mind wipe when they, yeah, when they come yeah. back. And, you know, they're out there, you know, they're, they're torpedoing reptilian shipping yeah. somewhere out near yeah. Sirius. Yeah, well, that's well, I think yeah. I think that's disinfo, right? Yeah. Um, I, yeah, no, no, that's 100 percent. That's just that's just me being a shitlord, you know, from, you know, looking down those rabbit holes. But, yeah, yeah I remember the, I, the I Solar Warden yeah, uh, stuff coming out basically saying <laughs> and, and that could be this info. That could be us saying, hey, 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 China, look, we've got all you know, we've got the whole, you know, galactic fleet over here. And that could be, um, sure. I, you know, I don't know. Um, but, you know, it, it, I don't really know what to make of that kind of stuff just because, you know, at the same level, like. I, I love reading about space stuff. I love reading about strategic weapons and, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I just kind of have to limit myself because it's like if any of these things actually come into play. It was nice knowing you guys. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It's kind of right. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like who's the guy at Wayne Wayne Industries who wants to blackmail Bruce Wayne? You know, in Dark Knight. You know what I'm talking about? He goes up. To- yeah. Or he's like, I yeah. think, yeah, I think Bruce Wayne's Batman, and I want ten million a year. He's like, so you think that the CEO of this company, one of the richest men on the planet, is also like a jujitsu black belt who beats enemies to a pulp with his bare hands in his spare time? And your plan is to blackmail him. Good luck. It's like genius. Yeah, very yeah. genius. Good luck, bud. It's kind of the same thing, right? If this whole batshit thing is true, and that there is this hyper advanced, you know, aircraft carriers in orbit. And then what the fuck are we going to do? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like it's over. It was never started. But, or is it tears of disinfo, right? I, you know, that's the whole Corey Good, David Wilcock thing. Yeah, I was, you know, I was teleported to the moon and, you know, you had to go serve for 20 years and we're fighting aliens. And, and then they, they put you back in time and age regress you. To me, that sounds like some disinfo you'd sprinkle over a real program maybe it's not solar warden yeah. maybe it's maybe we have the equivalent of like a fleet of like shuttles shuttle 2.0s that we don't know about and it's disinfo so if you hear about those and you go yeah those are the time traveling guys from the moon you go okay you're high is it also is there a second tier of yeah. disinfo on there and it's we do have a fleet of maybe 10 shuttles but in case China finds out about the big disinfo for the general populace is the twenty and back. The next level disinfo is for China. They find out about our twenty our ten space shuttles and they think that we have mile long craft out on Jupiter, right? Maybe there's tears to it. Maybe none of it fucking exists at all. It's all a mind fuck. And it's just We're like, in the dome. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's just it's just yeah, maybe it's just to drain the the tricoms maybe that's it you know it's like the idea of what what benefit would faking a moon landing do well it would it drains the soviet union's bank account i mean fuck it just starts spiraling yeah uh, that, 
You know, that, that's exactly why I focus so much on wanting to crack, say, the DOE black budget, you know, black energy oh, programs yeah. there. Because at the end of the day, for me, like, I would love to know what's going on at that level. But for me, I view that that's the 100-yard target. I know the DOE black energy programs, that's the 25 target. And I know if I can crack that, we're going to get more about the other stuff. Yeah. So that that's 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 the way I tend to focus on it is because you know like you I love a lot of this stuff and I'll jump into all the conspiracy rabbit holes but at a certain point it's like you're you, you know you're analyzing disinfo you, mm-hmm. you you know you're going through here and you're like okay so we're you know we're putting this out to fuck with these guys over here fuck with these guys over here and it, you know it's really hard to know what the hell is real at that you know when you're looking into that and so it's it's fun I'll definitely you know when it's three in the morning and you know and I'm you know just chilling whatever you know have a few drinks and just looking for fun it's really really fun stuff yeah absolutely you know no, it's a, fire up a water pipe or something great oh, yeah. stuff but you know it's a guilty pleasure yeah no i'm not, I'm at, not at the end of the all. day it's the, it's the, yeah yeah no i like i'm i'm with you i'm 100 with you it's interesting stuff but i just i just view it as you know there's a 25 yard target and we got to crack first before we can really uh realistically get onto that you know what's kind of crazy to think about is just like the military you're right whenever they always tap all these companies to, you know, we used Coors Light to build the the mini pencil uh, beryllium oxide uh, fuel rods for the Project Pluto nuclear, the, the nuclear-powered cruise missile in the 50s. We tapped Coors, right? The landing gear for the, the planned X-20 dinosaur, D-Y-N-A-S-O-A-R, an early 1950s space plane 30 years before the shuttle. We tapped, uh, I think, Goodyear to make they didn't make tires instead it was these weird wire brush uh skids so it could land anywhere in the world because the whole world would have to be its runway there they have the ability to tap the best of any institution and cia that's cool i didn't know about that wire brush skids oh yeah 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 no it's smart as fuck but right and then we eventually ended up using them for um for the x-15 for the x-15 right it was going so fast and you know mach 6.9 or something they had to get the they had to cover it they went and got like the best steel mill people in the world because the thing that you put molten steel into well, what's the buckets that hold the molten steel it's made out of something called inkernel they co- they coated the leading edges of the x15 with inkernel so the, my point is, is these elite groups they have the ability to tap the best of the best of the best right cia sad they have the ability to get the leading you know quick draw guy in the world to come teach a private course because they have unlimited funds because they print the fucking money, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to make disinfo, I say all of that to say everything they do is just the Olympic team. So if they're making disinfo, that means, that implies that there is an Olympic team of fictional writers mm-hmm. that are far better than J.R.R. Tolkien, J.K. Rowling, George R.R. R. Martin, but they're just sworn to secrecy. Writers and psychologists. The world will you know? never know. Yeah. Just like, you know, the CIA agents who served in silence and will never know their names. There is a team of writers that could blow the doors off of any HBO board, but they're sworn to secrecy because they write the best disinfo ever. It's a team of guys that just, you know, there they are typing at night and they're the world's best fictional author, but no one will ever know their name. You know, better than Harry Potter. They wrote the Bob Lazar. Yeah, and they're and they're going to be working, and they're going to be working with psychologists and wow. marketing experts, and they're going to be going around, the and best. they're going to be. Fuck. 
for okay here's this here's this up and comer tommy he's talking about all kinds of things we got to feed him something right and so we're going to figure out well what is tommy really like what's he going to get into and then they're going to they're going to tailor that just for you yeah. and it's going to be just yeah it's it's just going to be just enough of what you love to get you going down that trail and you know this info land and in hey uh, that's the game uh, essentially is uh, you know when you're dealing with you know in the current in the current situation we're in now you can't you can't keep anything 100% secret and silent you, it's security through obscurity it's so overt it's covert how do we make so much noise and pop off so many decoys that you are never going to be able to pull the truth out of this and, and that's the game now for any any members of the SES or the blob or any three-letter agencies listening please contact me I will absolutely play ball with you I would love to be on the inside you didn't even have to tell me all of it. Give me a couple. Give me one briefing in one special access program of something that's been mothballed. Just throw me a bone, and I'll spit out all the disinfo you want. Give me some gigabit Ethernet. Give me some money. I'd like a cyber truck. That would be cool. I'll play ball. David David will play ball. He'll he'll contract under me. Well, well you... <laughs> yeah, listen, I've tried. Listen, Dave. They won't. They won't respond to me. But if you would like to send an email to sespolicy at opm.gov, you are more than welcome uh, to send that. That's a real email. You can you can send that. Go go tell talk shit all you want. Matter of fact, tell them I sent you. Um, I, I literally send my shit posts to them all the time just because I don't respect them as as human beings or as any kind of intelligence community. I, I think they're actually a special needs community at the end of the day. But you know, feel free to contact them. Maybe. They will send someone to talk to you. They don't like me. Um, they really don't. They don't like me at all. I can only think that if they were ever to contact me, that they would do it as a guest, and I wouldn't even know, right? If they're really right, if they're good. If they're good, <laughs> how do I not know that Dale is my handler? Dale might be my handler, right? Right. Dale might be the handler. You know, it could be. I mean, dude. The I mean, the theories could. I had someone around. We got to wrap this up in like five minutes because I got another guy at four. Mm-hmm. The theory that there was a probably this time last year, right after I had on Mike Durant, the Black Hawk Down pilot, episode 95, I think I was at like 200 subscribers. And I remember seeing a post on Reddit or a comment on one of my posts. And it was there was actually a couple people talking about how they thought that I was like a facade for Air Force recruitment because they were like, this channel is brand new. It's got next to no subscribers. And this guy's pulling in these guys, Dale Comstock. Bruh, there, yeah. Listen, there's no way Tommy's going to be pulling in these dudes. He's glows in the dark, man. I'm telling you, he went to flat C. Well, that's, well, that's, <laughs> well, no, but I was reading comments about this. And, and then like a couple months later when I was at 500 subscribers, but I was having on like Brigadier General Spaulding, they're like, this guy is plugged in because he's working for the Air Force. And in my mind, I was just like, there was no greater, you know, it's like they say uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. To right? me, it wasn't that. To me, there's another more sincere form. And it's it's become so good, work so hard at your podcast that people think you have to be in the Illuminati because how else would you be getting these contacts? To me, that was the right? greatest Hell, compliment what? ever. I, you know. 
be perfectly honest, when I look through all the people you're getting, I'm like, shit, this guy might as well be freaking CIA or something up there. You know, he might as well be sending the shit post directly to SES policy at OPM.gov. So like if to me, if I think you go in the dark, that encourages me. I want to go talk with that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but that's to me there's no greater there's no greater compliment than when I hear people say, No, he's plugged in with someone because how else would a channel that small get that many yes? To me, I'm like, that is the most flattering thing that people go it's it's kind of like that meme and it's like shows the pyramids and it's like don't just succeed work so hard that the only logical explanation for your work is aliens <laughs> it's just the pyramids <laughs> it's just like outperform so well that you know it's it's like saying Dude, yeah that's you know That, that really is the highest compliment. When someone looks, you know, I remember one time my doctor looked at me and asked me if I was an alien. And I was just like, dude, dude, that, that right there is the highest compliment, man. You know, if you can, if you could be so dedicated. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh. yeah, just go for it, man. You know, you, you know, fuck, fuck, fuck being afraid of what some people, you know, are, are saying on the internet. Like, you know, especially because, you know, all the people that are like, man, that guy's a fed man. This guy glows in the dark, man. You know, it's like, guess what? Those are the people you want to be talking to anyway, because those are the guys that are screwing you over. Why don't you want to get up in their yeah, face? Go you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So fuck it. Yeah. It's like people that say, go engage. Yeah. yeah. People that say Elon Musk is an alien. It's like, man, there's no, there, I don't think there could be a greater compliment to his intellect. Talk to aliens, man. Yeah. You know, it's like Don was saying on a show the other day. I'm sure there's an FBI agent watching this show right now. Come on down to our meets, man. We'd love to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah, man. If there's anybody watching this episode, shoot me an email. It's kind of hard to beat that. You can come on the cast, man. I don't care. I don't care. Maybe I, what I got to do is Wan G. Maybe when this channel gets to the size of Rogan, I'll find out. Wan G, I'll, man. I'll find my FBI handlers and I'll be like, hey, I'll pay off you and your family. You guys tell me what's going on so I can create some great content. Maybe. Maybe I'll end up with 10, exactly. 10 shots. Exactly. 100% one sheet, man. Fuck, dude. You know, it actually it, it happens this day to the DEA. There are a lot of people because you know, the DEA confiscated so much money from the, uh, the, the Silk Road, you know, the drug dealing operation. If there are drug dealers out there that have incredibly high bounties just for information on anyone that was connected to those cases and they want to find those people and uh, I don't know if their intention is to have a conversation with them but they definitely want some guanji with those people Jesus man it's well for anybody and then part of me part of me wonders do I do I just do I say uh no I'm not part of uh, the air force but thank you for the compliment or is the smart thing to do do I entertain that? Do I entertain it? Do I increase the lore? The lore? I I, I always entertain it. When it. Whenever someone accuses me of going in the dark, I say, please contact my handlers at policy at opm.gov and tell them how I'm doing. Yeah, maybe that's what I should do, is when people comment that stuff, I'll delete the comments or I'll shadow ban them. <laughs> Just make, make them think. Just encourage their paranoia, right? Because you'll know they'll post 10 somewhere else once yes, you do that. Yes, and that's just, there's no <laughs> such thing as bad PR, right? There's, man, man. Well, God, the guests, the guests I'm having over the course of the next, there's, I can't, you know who, but I can't tell my listeners. There's someone coming in before, by June 1st, I'm having on a guest that, I mean, I can only imagine is going to make it seem like I have a contact in the deep state. <laughs> it's the only way it will be justified. I told you about him. I, which I'm incredibly excited for. And, and 
Yeah, and uh, you know, guess guess what? Once again, you can you can email Tommy's handlers at SESpolicy at opm.gov. Tell him how he's doing. Tell him how he's doing. Well, um, and buy the merch. Check out the merch. And buy the merch. No matter what, <laughs> buy the merch. This is not deep state. All right, all of my contact lists are from the deep state, but this this is this is original content, baby. Fund the podcast. Don't fund the deep state. Okay. Buy the merch. Merch will be in the MK link. Ultra can't create that on its own. No, That's no, all Tommy. No, you can't. This is this is crazier than any CIA psyops you can do. But um, David, we got to wrap this one up because I got another the guy that we're discussing the upgrade for the Medal of Honor. We're doing that guy next, so I'm sorry to cut you off short. But um, oh no problem, man. Let's uh let's wrap this bitch up. I'll text you later when it's up. Let's definitely do another one and um. Yeah, that's for now. Let's wrap this bitch up because I got to... Looking forward to it, Tommy. Have a good one. You too, my man. Take care. David O'Neill, everybody. Stay safe, everybody. God bless. David, I'll text you, my man.